0: Relocated to crossroads texas in the uh right in one of the living rooms of the gideon family where are they at there they are oh matt's on the ground i'm like he's doing the synagogue thing lowest man in the room so (laughs) um and so it's been an amazing opportunity to be here inside of the generosity uh, of the gideon family and so we're really thankful for that uh that we've all gotten that opportunity to bond together Uh, Through the journey as we all continue together in the journey. Amen.
1: Amen. And
0: uh, so Matt and April, these cards are actually for you. Um, And so um, we're we're uh, we're people that find Dylan, which hand them this. Uh, We're people that find the word to be like precious as gold. And so we don't have a whole lot to give, but what we do give, we give you. Uh, And these words are just uh, from us and our hearts to you um, as an encouragement and a thank you. Uh, For who you are in our lives. And uh, we love you and love your family. Um, And so, amen. Um, Y'all ready for continuation? What's our series name right now? A what discipleship? Authentic Authentic discipleship. Careful with that word. People use it a lot. (laughs) Amen. So why don't you turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. Say authentic when you get there.
1: Oh, uh, y'all don't be lying in church. Are you there already? Come on, John Hart. It ought to be easy to find, brother. It's got your name on it. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> authentic. I'm there.
0: All right. Hey, Listen. Our message this morning to you is going to be the power of proximity. First John chapter four, we're going to start in verse nine. I got to find it. This is how God showed his love among us. That'll raise a flag. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amen. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. <laughs> there's a lot of suggestions in there. No one has ever seen God but. If we love one another, God's love, God lives in us, where? And his love is made complete in us, Amen. inside of us. Listen, this morning's message for some of you people, let's just say some of you married couples that live in one house, yet you're two individuals under one roof. Yeah. This message is for those who have a lot of associates, but not a whole lot of real friends or friends you call friends, but the Bible wouldn't define them that way because, well, there's a power in proximity. And First John, John is grabbing hold of something that we must get And that can only be found inside of the design of authentic discipleship, which Jesus modeled for you. And if you do his commands and walk it out, you will receive this. But if you don't, you might be saved, but it won't be yours. How many of you know that you can be saved, but there's many things that you won't actually get to have unless you actually do what the word says. Yeah. John 17. 24 Come on. <laughs> this is Jesus in his prayer closet with the Father.
1: Come on. John 17 is getting warm in here.
0: John 17:24. <laughs> Father, I want Man, how many of you have some friends, maybe a spouse, maybe some close people in your life, and you're like, could you just tell me what you want? Right? I just have to seem to go and pray for, to heaven to, to figure out what you want when you could just tell me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Jesus is surrounded by disciples so that they may. See something so that they may see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these people have known. That you sent me. You see, it's one thing to know that a messenger showed up. It's another thing to know who he is. I made your name known to them and i will continue to make your name known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them i mean just maybe might i mean okay and i myself may be united with them saints in the previous weeks matthew 4 19 jesus says follow me not admire me follow me how many of you know admiration is different than actually following what you admire. Yeah. In Colossians 219, it's after Matthew 419 said, follow me, not admire me. Colossians 219 said, and we will be bonded. And because you chose to stay close, I will overflow through you. Amen. How many of you know proximity is a choice? Because I am a, Psalm 46.2 says it like this, because I'm a river made, river made glad the city of God. Very poetic, right? Verse two, it says, or verse one, it says, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Therefore, we were unafraid, even if the earth gives way, even if the mountains tremble into the depth of the sea, even if its waters rage and foam, the mountains shake with turbulence there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God Amen. the holy habita- habitation El Elion. God is the city and he will not be moved Amen. when daybreak comes God will help it nations We're in turmoil. Kingdoms were moved. The voice thundered forth and the earth melted away. Adonai Sabaoth was with us, our fortress, the God of Jacob. Think about it. He said, think about that. He was with us when things shook. He was with us when all came against us. He was with us when things looked hopeless. He was with us. Hello? Yeah. John four says, Jesus says, I'm a fountain that never runs dry. John 7 says, he says, I'm a spring of living water. Because of Jesus, saints, you never have to worry about availability. That's true. Let me say that again. Because of Jesus, you never have to worry about availability to the Father ever, ever again. Why? He ripped the veil, didn't he? Our issue is never availability, it's proximity. In John 17, Jesus literally says that one of his greatest desires is that you would be close to him where he is. You know, the Chronicle says uh, that says um, God is with those who are with him. But you're like, he's with me always. No, really? Really? Because he said, you need to walk on this narrow way. That's where I'm at. I'm a lamp unto your feet, right? Right? Not a broad beam of light to a broad way. I'm with you when you're with me. And Jesus says it right here in his own way. Apparently, the only place that you can see his glory is in this dimension called where he is. I'm right here. I want them to be with me so that they might see my glory. Now, listen, they might be um, uh, benefiting from my salvation, but they won't see my glory unless they're with me where I'm at. Okay. I have a question for you. Did the father deny Jesus a request to be close to you? No. Did Jesus ascend to the kingdom of heaven? Is heaven far from you? Where does the Bible say the kingdom of heaven is? Luke 17, 20, Jesus replied the kingdom of God does not come to you with careful observation. Nor will people say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is within you. No, the father did not deny his son's request, he honored it. John 16, 7 says it is to your advantage that Jesus went away. Why? So that he might send the paracletos, that he might send the Holy Ghost, yeah. that he might send the Holy Spirit. Amen. That word. Some of your translation says advocate. It meant it meant summon to call to one side. One who pleads another's cause before the judge, a pleader, a counselor of defense, a legal assistance, an advocate, one who pleads another's cause with one an intercessor for you. And he is not seated in the heavens. He's also seated in your heart. How close is that, saints? Saints, one of Jesus' greatest desires is that you would see his glory. And his greatest glory has always been manifest, watch this, in his body. Are you the body of Christ? Yes. Is he the body of Christ? Oh, he's, uh, Yes. The answer is yes to both. In his greatest glory, when the Father wanted to show the fullness and extent of his love, what did he send? He's a body you prepared for me. He sent himself. He came in the flesh. And then he ascended to the heavens and he poured out his spirit so that his body would then become corporate and he didn't change his plan. His glory is still shown inside of his body. And you get to be that body. Saints, you can be saved but never have your eyes see the glory of God. You can be following him and be bonded to him. But just like some of the marriages in the room, you can be distant also, although close. Because there is just some things that will never be yours unless you adjust your proximity. Are you with me this morning? Saints, this is why Jesus chose to show his glory through proximity, through his corporate body. John literally says he tabernacled where? Among us. Are you with me? Good, because Pastor Casey's got some good things to tell you. But listen, before he does, there is a power in proximity that breaks the principality of individuality. Are you with me? I'm going to say that again for you. There is a power in proximity that breaks the principality of individuality. Amen. There is a power in proximity that is only obtained through remaining close to the body of Jesus. I got your attention. Amen.
1: Mm -hmm. You can have it. You guys know what that uh, principality of individuality is also called? Your personal space bubble. You know, like when you start getting a little uncomfortable because maybe uh, Pastor Mike's words are hitting a little too close to home. Maybe it's that uh, somebody is in your face and in your environment a little more than what you would like them to be and you just want a break, right? That's what we're talking about. That that proximity that we can have among one another is the very thing that breaks off our sense of individuality. So if you're like, well, Pastor, I have trouble just running and hiding and doing things by myself. Then don't ever be by yourself. Yeah. That will break off a principality of individuality. Imagine that. Like these are not superstitious things. They're very, very simple.
0: Don't you know, God's the realest thing that you've ever seen? (laughs) I'll catch you on that for a minute. We are the shadow. He's the reality. And you think what you're looking at is actually real. And in reality, he is the realest thing that
1: you've ever seen. If you can get a glimpse of him. Yeah. come on, Guys, this is why God, in all of his mercy and all of his grace, he floods our lives with each other. Yeah. He puts us in each other's living rooms. Right, Hunter family? <laughs> <laughs> He fills up the bedrooms of your house, puts us in your gyms, puts us in your gyms and your businesses. And we have no choice but to walk in proximity with each other.
0: Was there anyone in the Bible that saw the glory of God? Right. What were some of the first? Maybe Moses? Amen. Why don't you turn to Exodus chapter 33?
1: When you get there, look at verse seven. And say glory when you get there. Come on. No, 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 no.
0: Glory. Glory. There we go. Come on. Come on. We're almost in the south.
1: Gloria de Dios.
0: (laughs) Oh, That's Texas virgin.
1: See, I can do the East Texan thing, and I can also do the Spanish thing at the same time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Gloria. Come on. Are you there? All right. Verse 7. It says, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. Hmm. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at their own tent doors and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent of meeting. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his own tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Guys, many people would go to this tent of meeting to see God. It didn't say that only Moses did it. Uh, this, This was a place where the tent, uh, it was called the tent of meeting that you would go and meet with the presence of God, predating the tabernacle itself. But it says that when Moses went, a pillar of cloud would fall in front of the doorway because there was something intimate going on in there that no one else understood of. You guys ever, you guys ever go as Yeshua himself instructed? and behind closed doors have that moment with your God who is in secret that that's the time when he speaks with that's the time when he speaks with you that's the time when he starts to mend those things in our hearts and begins to do something that lasts a lifetime in us only a few only a few though out of an entire nation who was allowed to participate and was invited to participate in a place called the Tent of Meeting, only a few ever spoke with him as a friend. Can I tell you that that's what the modern church looks like today? Many, many people are invited to church. Many people go and sing his praises. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Many people get to go and learn his scriptures and hear His word of prophecy and many people get to receive his blessings and healing, but not many people get to speak with him as a friend. Mm -hmm. That's what we're saying today, that there is a difference between there's a difference between admiring and following. Right. And there's a difference between following and bonding. And just like you can be in proximity with someone, you have to end up participating with somebody. Right. Like If you're going to end up having a relationship where you can call each other friend, it doesn't matter how close you stand shoulder to shoulder because people do that in an elevator every, every day at their business places. Can I tell you that you're going to have to open up your heart a little bit and participate in an exchange between two people to have this kind of bond, to have this type of blessing in your life. So what was it with Moses and Joshua? God spoke with Moses as a friend. Therefore, he also spoke with Joshua as a friend. Can I tell you that that's what these types of bonds between us do? That the ones who lead you, the blessing that you see on their life, you will inherit yourself simply by way of the favor that God has on their life. Man, so the favor that can be on another man or on another woman's life can also be yours whenever you bond together in a genuine love that Yeshua has made available to each one of us to live in. Isn't that amazing? Yes. So there's Joshua with Moses, and Joshua is participating in this place called Tent of Meeting with a man who's called a friend of God. Mm -hmm. So what was it that allowed them to go from one who speaks casually with God? Are you guys with me? What takes you from being one who speaks casually with God and prays generic prayers and throws up Hail Marys to heaven when you pray to one who speaks with God face to face and is called a friend of God? What is it? This is a faithfulness over time that creates a loving bond between us. That's where we get to receive the abundance of that relationship. Not just the average, not just the minimum, We're talking about the abundance today. The abundance of God's glory was found in that was found in that tent, but only few perceived it. Those who are married, you'll understand this. This is a simple concept. Have you ever walked in any sort of sin against your spouse and found it hard for the two of you then to speak to each other as friends? Yep. Yep. And only according to your position with each other, you're like, you might as well be saying, wife, I'm sorry about what I said today. I mean, that's how tacky your apology sounds. Right? This is because of faithlessness to a covenant relationship. This is what takes you out of the friendship category. And into just the position category. This is what makes you talk to God only as your God and not also as your friend. This is what makes Yeshua just your savior and not also your bridegroom. This is the kind of unity that we must have with him. But it takes faithfulness to a covenant love over time where we start to develop a friendship just like with any one of us in here. You might not have liked everybody in this room. I always liked John Engelbret from the start. I don't know about you guys, but he didn't like me all that much. I'm just kidding. It was all my fault. I love John with all my heart today, and I will do anything for him to lay down my life for him and his family. But that came with covenant relationship over time in Yeshua. Friendship comes by faithfulness over time, and that's it. And this is exactly how Moses was considered that friend. Moses received something that nobody else was receiving. Joshua received more because he first did what Moses did, which gave him the ability to go further than what Moses could do in his lifetime. We're talking about authentic discipleship. So naturally, we talk about generations, right? But if you don't first do what those ahead of you have done, how will you ever go further than them? If you're always trying to trailblaze your own way, you also will only go that short distance. But if you would get unified with the body of Christ on a deep level, then you and I and everyone in this room could go First, the distance of our fathers, and then we go the other mile, and then our sons will go the next mile after that. Isn't that amazing? That is authentic discipleship. Moses received something that nobody else was. Are you bonded and insured to greater things than that of the one who disciples you? Ask yourself that. Of the one who you know that God has placed in your life to set an example for you, and you take everything from them that you see Jesus in. And you walk with them and a friendship and a love with them. Do you feel bonded and insured that you will go further? Because that's the whole point. Because Yeshua himself said it. Didn't he say greater things you yes. will do? Yeah. Well, that's what we're saying to you today as well. Mm-hmm. Greater things. Our sacrifices, church, are a subject that's come up within all of this. Prop, because proper bonding ends up requiring us to sacrifice. Now, not sacrifice as we've understood sacrifice in the past, because proper bonding positions you to receive the abundance. Lavishing is not giving an adequate amount. It is an overflowing amount. It is an overabundance. So there's, an av- there's a minimum, there's an average There's an abundance and then there's an overabundance and that overabundance is what we are talking about receiving today, which means you're going to have to let go of something. Maybe it doesn't mean erase it out of your life. Maybe it means that you just let it out of the, the throne of your heart so that you can receive the abundance of his overwhelming presence. If you find something sitting on the throne of your heart, then that takes away his seat for your life. Lingering past, just like Moses and and Joshua, lingering past when most people are willing to, allows you to receive what most people miss out on. Yep. Let me say that again. Lingering past when most people are willing to, allows you to receive what most people miss out on. And that's where Joshua and Moses found themselves. Many people receive church, but not many people receive the abundance. Yeah. Come on. We've all received the righteousness of Christ. We've received an identity of sonship and all those things. And we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. But I can tell when I look in the eyes of any one of you, if you've received the abundance or if you've not received the abundance. Mm -hmm. Because there is a life and life abundant that you can see in the eyes of a son or daughter of God that is different than one who's received what what is to them only a title. Mm -hmm. Many people receive, but not many people receive the abundance. Do you position your life to receive an abundance? Or does your lifestyle position you to receive the bare minimum? Mm -hmm. Ask yourself that. This is why in messages about following and bonding, there is simultaneously so much talk of sacrifice. Are you understanding yet that sacrifice does not give you permission Follow with me here. The sacrifice itself doesn't give you permission to approach or a, a permission to bond or a position to receive the abundance. The one who gave you the invitation gave you permission. That's right. That would be Yahweh himself, the spirit of Yeshua, inviting you to walk with him or any man or woman of God that God himself puts in your life. The one who gives you the invitation gives you permission to walk in that abundance. The one who gave you that invitation gives you permission. Your depth of sacrifice directly correlates, though, with the depth of your desire to be where he is. We're not saying that you earn your way into God's presence with your sacrifices. We are so far past that at this point. What we're saying is is that you can see a lifestyle of sacrifice on people who say, there is nothing that compares in this world to his presence, and I will not let not one thing get in the way of it. I I will not let one thing get in the way of his abundance. Our sacrifices move all the distractions and obstacles. Our sacrifices do not purchase us the right to be there. Remember Simon the Sorcerer Church? Yes. Even after his baptism, his hope was to purchase what the apostles had only received by favor. You ever find yourself jealous of other Christians around you? And you're just like, man, if I could just spend a few hours a day studying like them, if I could spend a few hours a day practicing my guitar like them, then maybe I'd be able to do what they do. No. The the things that you see of power in the kingdom of God are received by favor, and Simon had it wrong. But when Simon was corrected by Peter, he came to understand that not only could he not purchase what authority they had, but that such things only come by the lavishing of Holy Spirit and communion with his men of renown.
0: Yeah, come on. Saints, many men follow Jesus from afar, but only a few actually really got what he meant by follow me. He had a lot of disciples around his life, didn't he? Yeah. How about at the end? There's a reason for that. Ephesians 5.1 says, be imitators of God. There's a difference between imitations and imitators. And there's plenty of imitations out there, but there's few imitators because the only way that you can imitate is that you have to be approximately close so that you might be accurately demonstrating what you see. Watch this, John 2:12. After this Jesus went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples. After what? After he's ministering to the crowds, after he's doing everything public, something else then takes place. He goes away to hang out with his mom and his brothers. But somebody else was with him. His disciples. You see, because in his mind, it was all one. He's just now getting ready to tell them exactly how he feels about that and how they should actually see kingdom life. So after he went down to Capernaum, this was his base camp. He's going home. Jesus is done with ministry for the day. He's done with his job. He's done doing the due diligence of what God's called him to do. Now he's just going to go home and hang out with mom and his brothers.
1: Nope. And his disciples. There we go. Come on. You can't leave them disciples back at the ministry building.
0: And it says that they stayed there for a few days together. And then something happens next. Jesus gets up. He goes from Capernaum. He goes to Jerusalem and he flips some tables. Who was with him when he flipped tables? He wasn't by himself. Don't you know that we flip tables, right? He goes and cracks his whip, doesn't he? Right. So he went. He was not pleased with what he saw. He left, went and created and made a whip. You ever made a whip? It takes a minute. Got to go to the store, get the leather. I got to come back, got to make the thing, braid the thing. Maybe I don't know how, so I'm going to ask, hey, maybe one of my disciples is with me. You know how to do this?
1: That's premeditated righteous aggression right there.
0: And somebody's with him the whole way. Saints, can you be with family while discipling or being discipled? Can you? Is that a challenge in your life? Uh, well, I got my family over here and then I got my church family over here and I keep them separate because if I put them together, there's a little bit of conflict. And I don't know what to do with that. It's like I'd have to flip a table or crack a whip. Yes, yeah, see, Jesus didn't. He didn't circumvent that. He just did life. And responded to what came. Oh, and he did it together with his mother and his brothers and his disciples. Imagine if you weren't there, you would not have been able to see him interact in that. What about that's Jesus with his family? What about Jesus when no one's around? John three. Do you remember John three? What do you remember from John three? Maybe a man named Nicodemus. Most of you know that Jesus tells the Pharisee Nicodemus that you must be born again of the womb and of the spirit. But most don't realize what verse 22 says in John chapter 3. It says this in case you don't know. After this, after the account with Nicodemus, Jesus and his disciples went out to the Judean countryside, to the desert, where he spent some time with them. And he immersed. If it was just them, who did he baptize? Them. Them after this after the event with nicodemus everything's gone jesus is going away for a private baptism and the first thing i would have asked is why in the world you bring me to a desert to baptize me in water you see there are some things that are for me to know and you to find out and there's that part in the kingdom but you only get that from proximity John 3.23 says, now John also was baptizing because where he was, there was plenty of water. Why why does the text say that? To let you know that where Jesus went, didn't have no water. But where John was, he picked it because it was practical. I'm going to go where there's plenty of water because I need to immerse. Jesus is like, I'm going to go where there's no water and I'm going to still immerse you. But who would have known that? Not John's disciples, only Jesus's. I can hear him saying "There's, I mean, that's great what John's doing, right? And we're for him. Praise God. He's in the will of God. But that's not what we are doing. Maybe I want you to know that your circumstances of dry places doesn't dictate my ability to immerse you. But you wouldn't know that unless you are with me where I am. John 3.34 says, For God gives the spirit without limit. That was the outcome of what he was trying to show them. I'm dealing with Nicodemus. Now we're going to leave that. We're going to have a private baptism in the desert where there is no water, but I'm going to immerse you anyway and make it happen. Oh, and then by the way, by the time I'm done with my teaching, all I really wanted to tell you was, hey, the spirit has been given without limit. And circumstances don't dictate where I can immerse you. That means that the immersion or the feeling of God, right, is not subject to geographical address, but rather proximity to Jesus and his body. Can you remain faithful to the Father when your life's in a desert? You see, many of you are really good at following Jesus when you can feel the fuzzies and everything's going good. But what about when you can't hear him? Or see him that's the time for hope trust and faithfulness so can you remain faithful to the father when your life is in a desert or like a desert you want to be alone but even when you run away you have no resources to give people who follow you when you're trying to run away from them when you're running to your desert People follow you and you were trying to run away from them and says, Jesus says, hey, your life's about people. Okay, digging a little deep for you there. What about Jesus when he's just walking along the road? John 9, 1. You remember what happened there? Jesus is simply just walking on the road. Right. And then there's a blind man. So he stops, spits in the mud, makes eyeballs and plugs them into his sockets. Saints, when you are close to the Father, even the grocery store becomes your altar. When your proximity to those who are discipling you is on point, you will experience things that only take place on the way on the way to evangelism, on the way to cleaning up a church property, on the way to going to lunch together, on the way to hanging out together. There are simply miraculous things that you won't get unless you are with those of the body of Christ on the way. Matthew 13, 1 says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by a lake. Such a large crowd, such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore, then he told them things in great parables. Verse 10 says, the disciples came to him and asked, "Why do you speak in parables?" He replied, "The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Verse 36 wraps it up like this. Then he left the crowd and he went into the house. So he starts by being outside of a house in public and telling people in mysteries, things from God. Praise God, are they blessed? Yes, but you know who are more blessed? Those who are inside the house he's about to go in with. His disciples came to him where? Inside the house and it says, explain to us the parable of the wheat field and he answered them. Saints, the most powerful testimonies I hear in this place and one association churches and every now and then in the kingdom of God. Is that the things that are happening are the most miraculous things that are happening are not happening in the church services. It's happening in the living room and the family homes and the dinner tables and the intimate conversations and hanging out with each other at a park or a grocery store, whatever you might do. That's where the most amazing things happen. What about Jesus when he is offensive? You see, you can't get certain things unless you are approximately close like this the other things will be a blessing but they're just an overflow from where it's coming from Matthew 17:1. after six days Jesus took with him Peter James and John and he led them up to a high mountain by themselves there say there there, there he was transfigured before them <clears throat> his face Shone like the sun. His clothes became white as light. Just then, there appeared before him Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And Peter said, Lord, it's good that we're here. Where? Close. Where are the other 12? They're not there. Where are the other 70? They're not there. Peter, James, and John are there. Saints Jesus. Five verses before this tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. Five verses later, he shows him his glory. What? Peter's got to be going like, what are you trying to teach me? Am I Satan or am I divine? What's going on? Look at what Peter would have missed out on if he would have become offended with what his leader had called him. How does Peter endure and receive saints, a bonded relationship that invited a proximity that produced power to participate in glory? That's how. Yeah. What about Jesus when he's about to give away his life? Are you with me this morning? There's simply some goodies you can't get unless you're inside the cookie jar. You heard me? John 13. It's the last Passover meal. They're having supper together. Man, the best things happen around dinner table. Just saying.
1: Spoken like a true Cajun. You
0: know all about the Passover. I don't even have to read this to you. Imagine being late for the Passover because of work. Coming in late and wondering where Judas went. <laughs> What I miss? I was just getting close to him. Finally, we had some breakthrough. Coming in late, wondering where Judas went because you were not there to learn what it looks like to disfellowship a brother when he becomes toxic to the whole. What a education that you did not get because you were simply just, I mean, you know, got to get that last customer. Imagine having to wonder what it looked like for Jesus to take off his outer garment and wash your feet. Imagine having to imagine that and not being there for that.
1: Inception. Come on.
0: Imagine not being present to hear that your whole body is clean, but your feet get dirty at times and you need to run back to Jesus to cleanse you. Imagine having to imagine that. That's a Cajun word, y'all didn't know. Now imagine that you were John, and you were not even there to write these things down for all generations because it was Sunday. Imagine you were John because, I mean, it wasn't Sunday. So why do I need to be there? I'm sure glad John wasn't a Sunday Christian. I'm sure glad he was a everyday Christian because he was there to write down the things that you get to hear when others weren't. Saints, the best things Jesus had to give were given when most were not there because he was teaching without words that there was a power in proximity. Saints, the problem of proximity is that it costs you and if we are honest, we want the fruit of proximity for free. I mean, Jesus paid for it. No, availability costs God's son, but it costs you nothing. Availability costs you nothing. Proximity costs you everything, every time. What do I mean? My flesh wants friends without, with benefits. I want a friend with benefits, Jesus. You're my friend, the scripture said so, and I want all the benefits. But I don't want to pay the cost of covenant. Oh, somebody say thank you because I just solved your issue of feeling distant. You want to feel close? Do you want to feel close? You got to be close.
1: Physics. This,
0: This is where the good things come from. Job 30 verse 18 says, In his great power, God becomes like clothing to me. He binds me like the neck of my garment. Saints, the neck of a garment can feel the pulse of the one it's wrapped around. The power of proximity is that it is the choice inside the covenant that you've already made with Jesus. Your covenant with Jesus, listen, your covenant with your spouse, your covenant with the body of Christ, your covenant with this church all come with a choice. Proximity is a choice and presence is the product. Proximity is your choice and presence is the product. The things you get here on Sunday is the overflow. It's not the potent reality. Hmm. The potent reality comes from the everyday proximity that we choose to spend with one another.
1: That's right. Hmm. Somebody say amen. 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 Hey, do you guys understand that the kind of abundance we're talking about receiving has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with stuff. It has nothing to do with our businesses working the way that we all want them to so badly. It has nothing to do with resources or even energy or time. Yeah. The abundance that it actually makes your entire life worth something is the glory of his presence. They call it the Shekinah. Mm-hmm. His tangible presence On you and in you and empowering you and strengthening you and coming out of you. That is the overabundance that we're talking about receiving. There is an abundance, though, whenever we explain it that way. Most don't even know exists because it's a supernatural, heavenly lavishing that happens as we honor our relationships of discipleship. And can I tell you guys that you can be hungry for the presence of God all you want and then be in disorder with men and not get any of the benefits of it whatsoever. Or the other way around, you can be really buddied up with men and come to church every Sunday and not want the presence of God and you won't get it either. God desires unity with his entire body, the head, Yeshua, and the hands and feet being his sons and daughters. That means every one of us have to be able to walk in unity. How
0: how far do you think this would go if you were a married man in here, right? And you only loved your wife for her face. And nothing else. Listen, I love you have a pretty face, but everything else about you i mean, is in question. You see, that's how modern day Christianity is. We love the head, Come but we on. hate the body. Come on. We love the head. We hate the body, right? We love Jesus, and we'll follow that, but we won't follow that. Come you got on, a pretty God. face. Thank you. I knew that. So what about the rest of me? Did we marry the whole thing or we just married some of it? Okay. (laughs) Y'all gotta let me up here every now and then because I get a little I get pent up. (laughs) Guys. Come on, Pastor. Keep us on track. I'm gonna gonna keep us on track. Keep us on track. (laughs) I love all of you, by the way. Like a lot. You know it? See, she knows it. I'm not hiding nothing. She knows I know it. I know she knows it. And Anybody? I know he does because I, I hear about track. it all
1: all the time. Keep You're distracting me, track. me now. I'm following you. I mean, keep come us on. on track. Are y'all listening? Oh, yeah, they listening. God will lavish you. Amen. Say God will lavish me. God's gonna lavish you. With an abundance through those discipling you beyond what the discipler is even capable of in their own flesh.
0: That's a mouthful. Thank God will
1: lavish you with an abundance through those people, people, humans, faulty humans with little idiosyncrasies and personality issues and accidents that happen and offenses and everything. Through those people, he's God pointing, will give you an abundance. He's pointing all five fingers at me, just saying. Well, I mean, on track. God will lavish you through those people beyond even what they are capable of in their Amen. own flesh, because you honor the bond more than you do the observable abilities of the one discipling. Amen. You. you know how I know this is true other than the testimony of my own life? Is in Acts chapter four. Listen to me and interact with this as I read it to you. Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived and perceived and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. Yeah. It spoke like Cajuns. <laughs> Come on, Charlie. <laughs> and they also recognized after the perceiving that they were common ordinary men they also recognize that they had been with Yeshua yeah, come on. Wow. wow so is isn't it a shame that most of the time the world will look at the very men of God that are bringing a revolution to their entire community and be they'll first hear the boldness and be like well I don't really like the way he says that all that much he could have said it differently oh he's just common There's nothing special about him. He he even looks uneducated. I especially shouldn't listen to him then. If you listen to him, he might save your life. Amen. Come on. Come on. In Acts 2.42, though, I want you to hear the opposite side of this. In Acts 2.42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe, awe and wonder came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Yeah, come on. And all who believed were together, were together together, and had all things in common. Yeah. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to everyone who had a need. And day by day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Yeah. With gladness, Mm. with thanksgiving, not the day, the lifestyle with thanksgiving and then generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Mm -hmm. Church, in Acts chapter 4, what many perceived as uneducated and common, some believed as favored by God. Mm -hmm. They heard the same preaching. In fact, this Acts chapter 2 crowd, they got a little harder message, honestly. They got to hear Peter say, you crucified him, repent today and turn to him and be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. And there was such a powerful move that the same men who offended some and gave life to others, the difference was how it was received. Yeah. It was the same men. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: The same preaching but it gave life to one and death to the other Yep, and abundance to one and nothing to the other. Yeah. This is the difference between the crowds of Acts 4 and Acts 2. When you honor the covenant bond of Christ, of Yeshua, the Messiah, between you and those he has given to lead you, and you honor it more than what your carnal perception tells you to, you receive the same signs, wonders, miracles, presence, yeah. and fellowship that they live in. Yeah, You know that that's what I saw in Pastor Mike's life whenever I first met him. They rolled into town, Stratas and Hutchinson's. Come on, man. Right. Stratas and Hutchinson's. And it, I saw a friendship there. But that's all I saw. I didn't see a lot of them. Oh, I didn't see them rolling in in fancy cars. It didn't seem like they had a... Treasure, tre- a treasure chest coming with them. But, it's, but I kept on hearing about all of these relationships, about all these friends, about these brothers, about these fathers in these other places that I hadn't got to meet yet. There was an abundance that they had in their life, though they came and gave up everything to come here. There was an abundance that they had, Out of simply the bond of relationship with those who had gone before them, those who were coming after them, and those who they had been walking side by side with because they first participated in that love with Yeshua. Which then gave them an allowance to have those relationships. And you know what that meant to me? Is that whenever they show up in town, my life gets changed. Mm -hmm. My life gets changed. And to some, along the way, some didn't want to receive What came out of the same man, out of the same woman, out of the same family, out of the same young men who were rolling with him, uh, uh, Devin and Dylan, and Dylan's over here convicting me, and he's like, what, 14 when you rolled into (laughs) town? And 15 years old, and I'm getting convicted at the words of Dylan in my ministry position that I was in? Come on, man. No, there was something special that came with them. There was an abundance because there was an honor for the bond. I saw an honor on Devin and Dylan for their father that I had not seen in any church ever in my life before. And it was something that I so desperately wanted. But you knew what it cost me? It, it cost me everything. Because even whenever I did make sacrifices to try to draw close with Pastor Mike, with Pastor Devin, with Dylan, with John, when everybody rolled into town, I still, couldn't, I still couldn't get along with them. There were too many differences. I couldn't get along, and I was too damaged. But whenever I started to participate in his presence, the way that they exemplified that to me, it gave me the ability to also have that friendship with them. And it just became something that snowballed over time. I honored the presence that they came with, the presence of Yeshua that they came with, And then I grew in a friendship and then we got more presence and then we got more friendship and then we got more presence and then we got more friendship. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That you can honor these bonds and then you receive an abundance. So listen, first Corinthians chapter two, verses six through 10 says this, we yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. Kind of like jesus with the parables huh the hidden wisdom which god predestined before the ages to our glory you're gonna have to get close to figure out what these are yeah but right. the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood for if they had understood if For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and have not entered even the heart of man, all that are all that God has prepared for those who love him. Yeah. Not for those whom he loves. Yeah. For those who love him. Yes. Can I tell you that everything that Pastor Mike's saying is true? That the availability has never been your problem. The availability or the, uh, has never been your problem. It's the way that you respond to the measure of love that you've already received from That's Yeshua. Right. And right. it will grow like any good friendships and relationships. It says, for to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. <laughs> The hard reality
0: of your Bible is when you read it and when the most real thing ever came to the planet, when reality hit this shadow, when truth in all of its fullness was plugged into humanity, humanity crucified it. When everything that was real came to this, what you call reality, we crucified it. Why do you think that stopped at the cross? It didn't. And you do it every day in some form or fashion. This series is called Authentic Discipleship. Your flesh hates authenticity. It hates it. It wants to crucify it. Oh, I want something authentic. No, you don't. You can't handle what's authentic. The only way you can is by being enabled by the Holy Spirit, and it calls you to get in line with what's real, what's true and what's authentic. This is why when we come to this land and we say, we we are discipling and you say, oh, like for six months and do I get a reward? What the read your Bible? Discipleship is a lifelong, approximate relationship with other people. As soon as you say that in this land, they write things about you because they hate it. This series is called Authentic Discipleship. Saints, I've been in the kingdom for over two decades and I believe people say they want authentic. But most can't handle it. Yeah. What's that old there's some old movie like way back when you, you can't, can't handle, handle the, the truth. truth. Come on. Can you handle what's authentic? Because the world couldn't when he showed up. I want authentic friends, I want authentic I want authentic family like until we correct you.
1: Yeah, don't think this is, doesn't apply to you
0: until we encourage you until until we say, like, when you go invite me over for dinner? Like, oh, that's a thing. Yeah, it better be a thing. Are you in something else called? The, that's not the kingdom. You want to get real? Uh, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'll be careful when I answer that. I want to get real, but my flesh doesn't want to get real. Oh well, I was offended with you. I guess that's it. Cut ties. What? Offense is part of the kingdom, saints. It's how iron sharpens iron. I don't know how. I can go every day, right? This calling of mine comes with a with, with a target. Offense is like, oh, okay, again. Okay, sure. What did I do? What did I? Listen, God chose me. I didn't choose me. Take it up with him. I would choose somebody else better, but he chose me. So therefore, I'm going to do me. Thank you. This series is called Authentic Discipleship, and most people don't really want authentic. They can't handle it. What most people really want is controllable friends. That's what they want. Most people want pliable spouses. That's what they want. I just want to make you what I think you should be. I want you to put up with me, but I don't receive as good as I put out. I want church affiliates. I want a Stepford family. That's what I want at best. I don't really want a real family. When we say brothers and sisters, we mean it. You know what that means? Sometimes brothers wrestle sometimes brothers butt heads but you know what the next day we're still standing together we want churches where everyone believes the exact same thing saints it hasn't happened yet (laughs) hello truth it's not going to happen you're hoping in the wrong thing maybe the lord doesn't want it to happen because he loves distinction honestly like I, It would be better if we went back to a church on every corner because at least it would be a family on every corner That we're buying together instead of one big giant family in this city Which one's God? Hello? We don't want to be challenged So we don't want to be close Right? You want to attend church for many years And to continue to go an acceptable distance in the eyes of your peer, but never change. Change is a requirement in the kingdom, in case you didn't know. Authentic means genuine. Authentic means, watch this, not fake. Saints, all those other things, that's fake. You don't want fake. But you have to be okay with paying the cost to walk in something authentic. This is why you can't continue to gather and never grow. This is why that you can't continue to show up, but never draw closer. John 6, 68 says the spirit gives life. The flesh, it counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and full of life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus, had known, for, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, they, he knew from the beginning who's rolling with him and he treated them with equal value. Yeah. And gave them the best chance possible, even though he knew that there was betrayal in their heart and he didn't treat this one better than he treated that one. Why? Because he gave him full access. Availability wasn't an issue to Judas. Proximity was because something was in between him and the Son of Man. And he went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father enables him. From this time, many of his disciples... His disciples, those who had given their life for him, turned back and no longer followed him. Following him is not enough, saints. You have to be bonded. Being bonded is not enough. Power has to come through proximity. You have to let him love on you, and you have to reciprocate that type of love. What does he say? You do not want to leave too, do you? He asked the 12, Simon Peter, and answered him, Lord, where will I go? <laughs> you have the words of life. Unfortunately, for this generation right here, that's all too true. How many, uh, all right, I won't even have you raise hands. How many in this place that I've heard, and how many since I've been here, is this, we can't even find this? Or you can find that, you just can't find this. Saints' authentic kingdom relationships are the only relationships that produce transformation. And if you don't want transformation, you're in the wrong house. You can go a lot of places and hear some fine music and some well-crafted messages and never change. That's readily available for you. Authentic kingdom relationships, kingdom relationships are the only relationships that produce transformation. And there is not one real, authentic, spirit-filled relationship in this room that has gotten that way without close proximity to one another where iron sharpens iron. And if you are close in here, you're iron sharpening iron. And what does that make you at the end of the day? Sharp. Not blunt. Proverbs 18.24 says, a man of many companions may possibly come to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than your own brothers. And he is made in the furnace of fire because you're close in proximity together where you're creating that fire. Saints, so the reason Jesus commanded you to go and make a community of people that would be about authentic discipleship is at its core was that you cannot see, John, the full glory without paying the price of proximity. No more than you can receive the reward of your marriage covenant without literally being fully present in it. Daniel 2.48 says it like this. Then the king authority placed Daniel in a high position. And guess what he did? He lavished many gifts on him he honored him he lavished him he loved on him just like god has done you he made him ruler over the entire province of babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men wow saints you have been positioned for full access somebody say full access
1: full access you
0: have been positioned for full access and ephesians 4 echoes daniel very well in verse 1 it says as a prisoner for the Lord, yes, there's restrictions to your flesh when you're in the freedom of God. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble. Some of you need some humiliation. It'll go a long way for your character in Christ. Sure. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond Through the bond, through the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of them all, who is over all and through all. Verse 7, but to each of you, grace. The charismata has been given the gifts of God. Have been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, <clears throat> when he ascended on high, he left captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Man, the giver's good. Yeah. Many men followed Jesus, but only a few saw his glory. You wanna see his glory, saints? Ephesians 1 7 says, In him we have redemption through the blood. Somebody say amen. amen. Forgiveness of sins. Somebody else say amen. In accordance with his riches of God's grace, that he did something. He lavished it on you, on us together with all wisdom and understanding so that you might have a fighting chance. Saints, your father is wealthy and what he has to offer pales in comparison to silver and gold. If you were following Jesus for what he has to offer instead of who he is, To you, then you're treating him like a sugar daddy. Uh Uh And you will never receive what we're talking about. He's not your genie. You can't rub him the right way. It doesn't happen like that in the kingdom. Amen. Saints, my wife's glory is not what you see. Just saying. Somebody love Jennifer? She's amazing. She's. Right, she's been a blessing to your life. And that's an understatement when I say that about her for me. But her, her glory is not what you see, it's what I experience when the one's around. And you know nothing about that because I get a blessing of proximity.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. <laughs> what Cason has to offer as a pastor doesn't come from this pulpit. It comes from the times in between this pulpit. Somebody give me witness. Amen. <laughs> what this intimate little church has to offer goes far beyond what we do on Sundays and Thursday, saints. If you've made your judgment about remnant church from your Sunday event or a Thursday event, you are misjudging. We are what we do in the in between the meetings and always will be what we do in between the meetings. Amen. First John three one says, how great is the love of the father that has he has lavished on us. We are reciprocating that type of love and we can't get it done from here. This is like a fraction. That we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it doesn't know him. Saints, turn to Acts chapter 7. And say power in proximity when you get there.
1: Acts chapter 7, verse 30 says, after 40 years had passed, say 40 years, 40 years, an angel appeared to Moses. Come on. This is Stephen's recollection of the story of Moses In the flames of a burning bush in the desert. says an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. Yeah. He was amazed at what he was perceiving to be there. Yeah. As he went over to look more closely, he heard the Lord's voice. Hmm. The Lord says, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, "Take off your sandals, Moses. Take off your sandals. Slip them off. The place where you are standing is holy ground." That's right. God will make will wait and make you wait 40 years if it means getting a man who's empowered by presence and not his own strength. That's exactly what happened with Moses here. This There was a man who for 40 years named Moses, who lived out his own ideas of what he wanted for his life. But then whenever he got a hold of God's presence, man, in that burning bush, it changed everything. And God made sure not to empower him for the task ahead of him until that. And you know what? A whole nation of a million people waited those 40 years too. For Moses to show up, but God will God would rather make a million people wait 40 years for you than you go out and live out your calling in your own strength.
0: Yep. Come on.
1: A burning bush encounter lifestyle is the only thing that enables you and I to move forward in our lives as disciples of Yeshua. Mm -hmm. If we're not living a burning bush encounter kind of life, guys then what are we empowered by? The last thing that Pastor Mike said, the last thing I said, the last experience that we're testifying to from our own personal prayer closet. No, you can't be empowered by that. Yeah. That doesn't work in your fuel tank. You get tired really fast when that's what's in your fuel tank. You know what you don't get tired on? That time when he lavished you in his presence so much that you will never forget it the rest of your life. And whenever people come against you and they come to hurt you, you can remember that moment and take heart. Yeah, that's good. Come on, I have one of those. Yeah. There is a lavishing of his glory, church, and that type of encounter that you can do nothing without. If you find yourself looking upon his glory from a distance, perceiving but never participating, perceiving but never participating, then today is the day you to make this choice saying i am never ignoring again that still small voice that tells me to come closer again i'm going in so that someday he will send me out burning with the same fire that he burns with yes right but church you will never burn like him you will never burn like he does if you never bond with him in that manifestation of his glory yeah
0: After 40 years passed, an angel, a messenger from God appeared to Moses in the flames of the burning bush and in the desert of Mount Sinai. And when he saw this, he was amazed. And something happened next. He went over and he looked more closely. Somebody say more closely. closely. And because he looked more closely than he was looking before, It enabled him to hear from the Lord. Wow. 40 years. Who wants to wait 40 years to go from promise to presence? Nobody. Jesus did in a moment what it took Moses 40 years to accomplish. In a moment, the son of glory did what it took 40 years to accomplish in Moses. It took 40 years to prepare Moses to go from promise to presence. And what was the catalyst in between in Acts 7? Proximity. It was the answer. He was already there. He was in the atmosphere. He's hanging around. He's got an angel. He's got a bush. All of a sudden it starts to burn, and the bush is right there, but he's not right there. What was the catalyst? Here's the bush. Here's the messenger. That's cool. It's angels. I mean, it's an angel. Hello, who's that an angel? In it? Right? You're like, he's not even blown away by the angel. He's now become like, it's okay, another angel. Cool. Okay, whatever. There's a burning bush. Ooh, okay, that's new, <laughs> right? And then something starts to go. Come closer. Come closer. Come close. Oh, you're with God, but I need you to come closer than you previously were than you actually are now. Change your position. Be approximately, like right here. How many of you have been around a bonfire? You're like, I see it, but if I'm close enough, I can feel it, right? Some of you are here, but you're not close enough to feel the fire. This is what makes the finished work of Jesus so amazing because he ripped the veil. amen? You don't have to wait. That's the point. Moses had to wait. You do not. The amazing work of King Jesus is that he ripped the veil, sending a message that Moses may had to wait for 40 years, but you don't. All you have to do is choose proximity. When Moses finally did something in verse 31, come closer than he was, he could then finally hear from the Lord. And what did the Lord say? Take off the last thing standing between us, your sandals. Man, it might be just an inch. It might just be just an inch. Because if I'm here, God's saying, and you're here, that's a place called holy. Proximity revealed presence. And the presence produced it, produced a connectivity God called holy. You ever plug anything to an electrical outlet? If it has a plastic on it, it doesn't actually receive what it's connected to. Moses was in a place called holy. He was in the right place at the right time. But something just one inch thick was still separating him from being holy. Because when something was holy and it touched something else, that thing also became holy. And God wasn't okay with Moses just being common. Take off your shoes because now we are both holy. That is a place called there. John 17 is our last passage. Verse 21, Father, just as you are in me, I am in you he could have said just as you are by me i am by you just as you are in heaven i'm on the earth and it's close enough no just as you are inside of me i am inside of you can you say that about your kingdom relationships can you say that about your discipleship can you say that about this church Because that's where you must go. There's no shortcuts. Jesus laid the model. That's what he modeled. And when he said this to his disciples, most of them left. And he looks at the few left there and he's like, You gonna leave me too? Man, what he's offering must be pretty freaking powerful, pretty valuable that he's not willing to give it to the masses. He's only willing to give it to those who really want it. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then only then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. What the father loves you the same way that he loves his son. Father. I want those you have given me to be with me where I am come on we said he's a jealous God and to see my glory the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world righteous father though the world does not know you I know you and they know that you've sent me but we can't stop There. We can't stop with just knowing that God sent his son for you. We have to be so close that we know that he is in us and we are in him. And it is even hard to see the difference between you when I look at you. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me might be in them and that I myself may be in them Jesus's greatest desire is that the power of proximity would be evident in your life and proximity produces presence presence is the reward of proximity you might have an overflow and an inkling and a little bit here but you can have the full potent version but it's going to come at the choice of your proximity stand with me father we thank you for your word we thank you for the challenges lord god that it brings to our heart we thank you for the body of christ that you have given us, though, that we might work these things out as you are being worked into us. We thank you, mighty God, for the journey. We thank you for each other that we get to move together. Father, in this together, no matter where we're at, Lord God, in the condition that we're in. Father, that we thank you that you have positioned us in a place called holy, in a place called where you're at So that we may, Lord God, show the world and and cause them to know you even, even as we know you. So, Father, empower us and teach us the power of proximity, mighty God, that you have blessed us to learn inside of authentic discipleship as we move forward, chasing Lord God and living by the pillar of fire. Mighty God, we love you, and we most definitely love each other, and we pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. Come on, saints. Y'all go to lunch together or something. We'll see you soon. Love you guys. Amen.